thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. Oh, great to see you. I appreciate it's a, it's a big building to heat and actually it's warmer here than it's outside, but I'm sure there are people meeting across our world who haven't got the privilege of being inside. So, you know, let's just recognise that for this short time, you know, if you feel like just standing up and sitting down to get the blood moving, that's fine. But uh, when it's this cold, I will try and be brief. Um, but we're doing just a mini-series as we come towards Christmas and it, it, it's not that one, but it's fine. Um, it's called We Need a King, but it's all right. We've got three, three sessions on this one leading up to Christmas morning. And today it's We Need a King, but it's the wrong desire. But we need a king. We need a king. That is the message as we head towards Christmas that I believe God wants us to really reflect on. Uh, a few Christmas songs have come to mind this week. Uh, anyone playing Whamageddon? No? Anyone who knows what Whamageddon is? You're supposed to go from the 1st of December to the Christmas day without hearing last Christmas. Anyone managed it so far? Yeah? Apparently Andy Kind, a friend of ours, was in Sainsbury's and all of a sudden it came on and from several aisles there was, oh no! <laughs> As everybody heard it. But it wasn't those Christmas songs that came to mind. All I want for Christmas is you. Everyone, and who likes that song? All I want for Christmas is you. Not quite the same if it's being said to you by a stalker. <laughs> Not quite the same, okay? All I, want for Christmas, all I want for Christmas is my two front teeth. Again, pretty essential, but if someone needs the two front teeth put them back in, then the chances are they probably need quite a bit more. Because there's usually good reason for you not having two front teeth. Okay, maybe a toothbrush and toothpaste would be a good start. Okay. Um, just stand up if you like uh, Christmas pudding. Stand up if you like Christmas pudding. This is a bit of a survey. Okay. Some of you have just stood up. It's called... Ah, okay. Sit down, sit down, okay? Because if you ever go and sing We Wish You a Merry Christmas, you sing We All Want Some Figgy Pudding. Well, only half of you stood up, so that can't be true. So be careful what you ask for, because you might get it. In our house, we have a Christmas pudding that probably goes between me and my mother-in-law. Nobody else eats it, and so that's why I'm round like a Christmas pudding, because we eat it all year round. We eat it all year round. But anyway, I would say that the percentage of figgy pudding wanted is very low. So be careful what you wish for, because you might just get it. Be careful what you ask for. That's the message this morning, and I've heard it said a few times recently, I just want to be normal. That wasn't me that said it, okay? I just want to fit in. I just want to fit in. Maybe we've said those things. I want to be like everybody else. Even when Corey over here, sorry, PC Love over here. <laughs> another lad on his course called PC Lovesy. They could be like a crime fighting double act, couldn't they? Love and Lovesy. You can see it on ITV now, can't you? We'll have to pitch it. Love and Lovesy. Okay. But even when Corey became part of the Harrison family, we were told, listen to this, we were told that it was the years of normality he'd experienced at weekends and holidays away with us that made him more stable than he would have been otherwise. 
The experience normal in my house. I can't believe that for a minute, but anyway. But I'll take it. Oh, for the past few years we've heard about the new normal. We got fed up of hearing about the new normal. But I want to say to you this morning, everybody else's normal is different to yours. So be careful what you ask for, because you might ask for something that somebody else has, and it might not be what you need. It might not be what you need. It might be what you want in that moment, but actually, what is normal? I want to say this morning, we were never meant to fit in with the world around us. We were meant to fit in with a kingdom that is of heaven, a kingdom that is eternal, and a kingdom that has a king already. That's what we were meant to fit into. What if nobody anywhere is anyone's idea of normal? Trying to fit in where we shouldn't. But we're having a mini-series to look at Christmas. And at first you might think, this isn't Christmas at all. I'm not talking about donkeys and wise men and, and shepherds and everything else. But that's because the whole Bible points to Christmas, but points to Easter through Christmas. The whole of God's word points to the birth of the king and the death of the king and the return of the king. That's what it points to. That is what Christmas is all about. It starts in a bad, stinky stable, but it ends in a city that is glorious. It might seem that our readings aren't Christmas-themed at all, but we're going to go today, we're going to go right back to the Old Testament. Um, hopefully, they'll be on the screen. I've not been very, I've been remiss today, because normally um, I'm very good, aren't I, Paul? Not really, uh, passing on the verses. But we're going to read from 1 Samuel chapter 8, Verses 1 to 22. So right back to the days of Israel and the judges and Samuel and leaders in that way who'd seen amazing things. And we see this chapter of 1 Samuel chapter 8 and we're going to look through it this morning in little chunks. So 1 Samuel chapter 8 starting at verse 1 says this. When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah. Chloe, you were unlucky there, weren't you? <laughs> Sorry, my two children, Joel and, Joel and Abijah, over there. <laughs> and they served at Beersheba, but his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain and accepted bribes and perverted justice. So we see a scene here where things are going downhill. Israel, Samuel's been leading. It says in Samuel early on that he didn't let any of his words fall to the ground. He didn't waste anything. He was a godly, holy leader. And then all of a sudden, he just appoints his sons and things start going pear-shaped. Samuel was this great spiritual leader. He was godly. But he calls towards the end and instead of prayerfully coming before God and saying, God, who do you think should govern next? And then trusting the leading of the people, he simply hands it over to his children. They were the God-fearing people that Samuel was. And as a result, things started to go backwards and away from God's vision for his people. <clears throat> Interestingly, God knew what people would do. God knows you this morning. Whoever you are, God knows you. He knows the beginning and the end. It's not that he has this plan mapped out for you necessarily, but he knows where he would like you to be, but he also knows where you will choose to go. Because you have that freedom of choice. But God knew what Israel would do. I'm just going to rewind to Deuteronomy chapter 17 and verses 14 to 20, which should hopefully be on my Bible. <laughs> it says this, 
Deuteronomy 17, verses 14 to 20. This is where Moses was leading. This is ages before this verse. And it says this, When you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you and have taken possession of it and settled in it, and you say, Let us set a king over us like all the nations around us, be sure to appoint over you a king the Lord your God chooses. He must be from among your fellow Israelites. Do not place a foreigner over you, one who is not an Israelite. The king, moreover, must not acquire great numbers of horses for himself or make the people return to Egypt to get more of them. For the Lord has told you, you are not to go back that way again. He must not take many wives or his heart will be led astray. He must not accumulate large amounts of silver and gold. And when he takes the throne of his kingdom, he is to write for himself on a scroll a copy of this law taken from that of the Levitical priests. It is to be with him and he is to read it all the days of his life so that he may learn to revere the Lord his God and follow carefully all the words of this law and these decrees and not consider himself better than his fellow Israelites and turn from the law to the right or to the left. Then he and his descendants will reign a long time over the kingdom of Israel. So God knew what Israel were going to ask for. He'd even prepared for it. He'd said, when this happens, the king has to be like this, because otherwise it's going to go wrong. So God knew what they were going to ask for. God knew they were going to be dissatisfied. God knew they weren't going to see past their own selfish needs. And so he put something in place that would make it better if they went that way. So God knew what they would do, that they would turn their backs on his sovereignty and go for what they want instead. So let's read on in 1 Samuel 8. It says this, verse 4. So all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. They said to him, you are old. <laughs> then he got the bears. No, that's a different story. That's a different story. You are old and your sons do not follow your ways. Now appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. Appoint a king. Like everybody else, we want to be like them. We want to be like everyone else. We've got all these problems in front of us, Samuel, all these enemies that we need to overcome, and we need a king to do it. We've got all these things. We need a king to fight the battles for us that lie ahead because they believed a king would bring them success. They believed that a king would fight their battles and overcome their enemies for them. They believed that a king would bring fruitfulness. But God, being a good father warns them of the consequences of what they're asking for. Do you know, they already had that king. They already had that king that had fought their battles, that had rescued them. They already had that king. But they wanted to be like the world around them. They thought that would make them better. They wanted it because they thought that would give them strength. But also they wanted it because they wanted the king to do all the work for them. They had a king. They had a father, they had a God who reigned and ruled, and yet they still asked. So God says to them this, he says this to Samuel, verse 6. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, this displeased Samuel. So what does he do when he's angry, he's upset, he feels rejected, he feels that he's been looked down on, what does Samuel do? So he prayed to the Lord. He prayed to the Lord. He took it to God. He took his frustration to God. He took his disappointment to God. He took his sadness to God. He took his struggle to God. Because he knew who was king. 
He knew who ruled and reigned. He knew the one who could fight the battles. He knew the one who could deliver. He knew the one who had been with him, never stopping. So he took it to God. Verse 7, and the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. Interesting, that, not it? Listen, 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 listen to all that the people are saying to you. It is not you that have rejected Samuel, but they have rejected me as their king as they have done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me and serving other gods, so they are doing to you. This tells us how our God is. God is a God of comfort. Because he said, Samuel, it's not you, it's me. Don't take this on your shoulders, Samuel. Don't feel it's you that's been rejected and despised, it's me. Don't you worry about it. You just need to give it to me and I'll tell you what to do. A good father and a good sovereign, it's not you they're rejecting. They are just repeating the same mistakes that they have regularly, regularly made. Any of us repeat the same mistakes we've made? Yeah? In the, in the ceremony on Friday when... I'm doing the nectar card again. All the way for Christmas is some new teeth. Um, in the ceremony on Friday, the, uh, the chief superintendent, or whatever he's called, was chief constable, there you go, okay? Um, he said these words, he said, it's okay to make mistakes. He said, but to keep repeating them when they've been pointed out to you is unacceptable. <laughs> and I thought that was really powerful, especially for our other foster child who was sat there at that moment, <laughs> and for me. It's okay to make mistakes. God says it's okay to make mistakes, but he said, when it's been pointed out to you, don't keep making them. And that's what Israel were doing. They kept going against God. They kept turning their backs on the one that had rescued them, the one that had saved them, the one that was all-powerful, the one that had seen the wind battles, the one that had seen walls come down, the one that had provided food and drink in the desert, the one that had made sure their clothes hadn't worn out for 40 years. That's amazing. The God who was amazing, they turned their back on. Even though they've seen all that stuff, they think a human king will be a better solution to their problems. How many prime ministers have we had this year? I'm not getting political, okay? Human leadership is always going to be failing in some way. Because actually we're human. God is divine. God should be sovereign. God should be ruler. He is the one who we should put up high through his son Jesus the king. That is what it's all about. Even though they've seen a rescuer, they've seen a fighter, they've seen a deliverer, they've seen a provider, they think they want to be like their enemies because being like their enemies will get them everything they want. How many of us look at the world around us and go, if only I could be like that person. If only I could drive that car. If only I could have that wife or husband. If only I could have that money. If only I could win the lottery. If only I could. We often think like that. But actually, the only thing that will satisfy is Jesus. That's the promise. It's the promise. The only thing that will satisfy and will give us ultimate satisfaction is Jesus. It will be hard. I'm not standing here promising an easy life. But I'm promising that actually with God, we can stand firm and know that our future is secure. That's satisfaction. Knowing that your future is secure in a world where it's chaotic, in a world where there's trouble, in a world where we don't know necessarily what we're going to have to pay our bills with. We're going to have to set fire to our furniture in the lounge or something. James, don't you do that, okay? <laughs> we're going to have to do that, okay? But actually, what we need to recognise is God is above it all. 
He's above it all. Our future is secure. Our future is secure. So God warns them, and this is what he does as a good dad. Are you listening? This is what God says to these Israelites, saying, we want, we want, we want. And he says this, verse 9. Says this to Samuel, now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who were asking for a king. He said this, this is what the king who will reign over you will claim as his rights. He will take your sons and make them serve with his chariots and horses and they will run in front of his chariots. Some he will assign to be commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties and others to plough his ground and reap his harvest and still others to make weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers and cooks and bakers. He will take the best of your fields and vineyards and olive groves and give them to his attendants. He will take a tenth of your grain and of your vintage and give it to his officials and attendants, your male and female servants and the best of your cattle and donkeys. He will take for his own use. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his slaves. When that day comes, you will cry out for relief from the king you have chosen, but the Lord will not answer you in that day. God says, this is what you're asking for. This guy's got to take, 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 take. He is not going to give, he's going to take, he's going to take. That sounds to me pretty much like taxation. Yeah? Who likes tax? None of us. We need to do it, because it pays for the infrastructure of the country. But you know what? This king was just going to take, take, take. There's no mention in there of him giving anything. There's no mention of him providing. There's not even a mention of him fighting battles. It says you'll go before him. And that's what you're asking for. Be careful what you ask for. Is it too soon to mention football? Just. Okay. Who would, put, who, who would have wanted Harry Kane to be in with a chance of scoring a penalty last night? Yeah? Be careful what you ask for. Careful what you ask for. Because you might just get it. Do you know football isn't everybody's favourite thing? But I remember Manchester United fans desperately wanting new owners so they could have access to more money. They got new owners, now they want new owners. Be careful what you ask for. Darlington Town, anyone know the story of Darlington Town Football Club? It was one of the earliest professional football clubs in England. It, they had the first ever black English footballer. And their owner ploughed in millions of pounds in 2000, early 2000s and built a 25,000 seater stadium. Wow, what, what fans wouldn't want that? became a bit empty when there was only about a thousand of them in there. It'd be cold. It cost, it became a millstone round the neck. It hosted an Elton John concert. But now in that town, there are two stadiums not being used. The old one that's rotting in the centre and the new one that even the football club don't play in anymore. Be careful what you ask for. Because when we ask for it, we might get it. And it might not be what we want or need. You know, maybe this morning you think a cash injection is what I need. I just need a bit more money. Be careful what you ask for. Because actually getting it might not be the answer to your problems. Might not be the answer to your problems. Anyone who's ever done a payday loan will know. They asked for it, they got it. And they struggled. Be careful what you ask for. You might get it. You know, maybe you think a new location will answer your problems. Maybe moving to a new place or a new town. Maybe a fresh start will be the answer. It's fine if you still cut off the type of people who are dragging you down. But actually, a new location isn't the answer. It's not the place, but it's the behavior that needs to be transformed. 
What does the Old Testament say? It says you, you can be like a well-watered garden in the middle of barren land. You can be like a flourishing green pasture in the middle of a valley of darkness. That's the promise. And yet so often we're looking out there, we're looking over here, we're looking over there going, if only, if only, if only. You know, I really want my children to be married, settled and provided for. Careful what you ask for. There's two next year. Okay, careful. Careful what you ask for. God says if you get a king, he will take, 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 take. That's what he'll introduce. He'll take your income, he'll take your crops, he'll take your children and ultimately take your freedom. And he will take to give himself the best. If you make the world around you your goal, then you'll become like that world, which is lost, empty and still needy. It's lost, empty and still needy. Why? Because Jesus isn't there. Jesus isn't there. The goal has to be the king of kings. Not the king of the world. Not the king of those things, but the king of kings and lord of lords. The one who is holy. You know, we might make something our king. We might make substances our king. Do you know substances will take, take, take and take again? You ask anyone who's linked to them. You might make money your king. That will also consume you. So God, through Samuel, warns the people that there will be consequences. And this was their response. The good father has said, this is what's going to happen. And this is what they say, verse 19. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. Samuel listened to the people. God listened to the people. But the people refused to listen to Samuel. No, they said. We want a king over us. Then we will be like all the other nations, with a king to lead us and to go out before us and fight our battles. They had listened. He's just been told, he said, he'll go behind your chariots. He's not going to go out in front. What does the president do when there's an issue in America? Oh, there's a bunker. Yeah? He has a bunker, doesn't he? Yeah? He doesn't, he doesn't, he's not going out there fighting himself. He's protected. You know, most soldiers, most commanders, they're sat somewhere in a palace somewhere maybe or some important office while everybody else is overseas fighting the battles. That's what this king was going to do. Protect himself at all costs. Presidents have bunkers, kings stay in palaces. But you know, Israel already, already had someone who'd fought their battles. They'd seen it. They'd seen enemies defeated. They'd seen towns come down and walls crumble. They'd seen opponents run away. They had victory. They had a ruler who protected, who guided, who loved and provided. But they wanted to turn their back on him and chase after what the world offered. Because they thought it would be better. They were blind to what was important because they thought it would be easier with a king to rule. Do you know, God's plan was to provide a king. That's why he says in Deuteronomy, but it wasn't their king that they chose. David was a man after God's own heart. Yes, he made mistakes. But if you look through the book of Kings, and as next week we're going to look at some of the good, the bad, and the ugly, there's not many good. It says they do constantly go against God. There's not many good kings in the history of Israel. There's not many but as we point towards Christmas, we see a king that arrived not to take, 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 but to give, give, give. What do we know about Jesus? He came to be served, not to serve. So he came to serve, not be served. <laughs> Slip. He came to serve, not be served. He was the one washing his disciples' feet. He was the one hanging out with people who nobody else would touch. He was the one who went to the, the darkest, dingiest places and said, we love you. He was the one who willingly gave himself for you and for me. 
He was the one who gave it all so that we could live. He came to give his life as a ransom for all. There's no take, 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 take. There's just give. He gave the woman at the well something better than she had, something better than she was looking for. He gave people who were sick their health. He gave people who were paralyzed the ability to walk. He gave people who had nothing some hope. We need a king, but it might not be the king you want. It might not be the king that you're seeking. You've got to look in the right places. Jesus came to win the ultimate battle against death and hell. You know, God is meant to be sovereign. That means ruler. Yeah, the sovereignty, the ruler. Okay, so what does sovereignty mean? Anyone know a definition of sovereignty? What does it mean? Francis is going to shout out in a minute because she loves a quiz. It is a rhetorical question in some ways. Think about it. What does it mean to be sovereign? We say God is sovereign. He reigns over us. Let me tell you what it means to be sovereign. Here is a definition. A sovereign power lies beyond the power of others to interfere. That's quite powerful, isn't it? A sovereign power lies beyond the power of others to interfere. In other words, nobody can stand against them. Nobody. A king who can rule his people without the interference of others. That's sovereignty. Sovereignty means, and this is important to us, it means to have ultimate power and authority in the decision-making process. So when we say God is sovereign, what we're saying is, I'm allowing him to have ultimate power and authority in my decision-making process. So if he's not having that authority and power, then he isn't your sovereign. He isn't your king. You're being like these Israelites who are saying, I want a king, not him. Or I want him to be part king. There's no such thing as a part-time king. There's no such thing. It's full-time. Is God sovereign? That's the question we've got to ask this morning as we come to the end. Is God the ruler in my life? Is he the one that has ultimate power and authority in the decision-making processes? Or do I look sometimes at what he asks me to do and go, no, I want this. That's what the Israelites did. No, I want this. Even though they knew it was going to be bad for them. Israel wanted a king when they already had a sovereign. They wanted a king because they wanted to fit in. They wanted a king because they thought the king would serve them and fight for them. Today, we can have a king who will fight for us. We can have a king who goes before us. He doesn't hide in a bunker or a palace. He doesn't, serve, he doesn't wait to be served, but he serves us and cleans us up and guides us on better roads. And he gives us the authority to be in his kingdom if we make him sovereign. He's a king who gives his life and his love so we can experience freedom and victory. With a song that Ian Salter absolutely loves that's called This Is How I Fight My Battles. He loves it. If you're ever with him in a car, stick it on. Absolutely loves it. The eight-minute version, loves it. <laughs> this is how I fight my battles. No, I think we need to change the words. This is who fights my battles. This is who fights my battles. Because I can't do it on my own. Donna prayed for me before I stood up and said, preparing whatever chaos comes this morning. Yesterday, I lost all my notes for this morning, just saying. So if it's rubbish, really apologise. But anyway, but somehow technology fails me at times. But you know what? We've had chaotic times in our family this week for other reasons. It's been a great week celebrating. We've got great weeks ahead of us in the year. But you know what? There's still sometimes chaos. Still sometimes chaos. 
But you know, in the midst of that chaos, I know I can come to a king who fights my battles. I can come to a king who gives me stability. I can come to a king who gives me a future. I can come to a king who loves me, who loves me, who loves me, who wants to give and wants to give and wants to give. I can come to a king who, who if I allow him to, will rule and reign in my life. So, is that who fights your battles? Is that who we want to fight our battles? No conditions. He's got to be sovereign. Ultimate power and authority. Because he wants what's best for us. He's the creator. King Jesus, as we look to Christmas, we see a king who knows what it's like to be homeless. We see a king who knows what it's like to have very little. We see a king who knows rejection. We see a king who knows opposition. But we see a king who needs to have authority and power over our decision-making and choices. The question this morning is, Will you? We need a king. You need a king. I need a king. The option is yours whether you let him reign. The option is yours whether you let him in or you keep the door closed and say, no, I want what they've got. But also if we're a Christian this morning, we should be people who people go, I want what they've got. We should be people who people see the king ruling and reigning. The people who see a king that is kind and generous and loving, that welcomes and asks you to belong. A king that says, come, come, all who are thirsty, all who are burdened, all who are weary, come, come. That is the king we need. Do you want him? Let's pray. I believe this morning, as I'm, as I'm I think there are some people who are sitting on the fence. If I said to you where, do you, where do you sit with Jesus? I think you're sitting on the fence. You just don't know. You're just not sure. Not willing to commit. Maybe you just want to see a little bit more, try a little bit more. Maybe you just think it'll, it'll ruin your life because it'll make things difficult. But actually, God says no. It'll bring freedom. It'll bring hope. It'll bring love. If you're sitting on the fence this morning, I just want to ask you to, as we continue to worship, as we finish, our prayer team will be in that back foyer. I want you to go and say to them, I want a king. If that's you, just say it and they'll pray with you so that you can accept Jesus into your life. It talks in Romans, it says, if you believe in your heart, sorry, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, in other words, king, and confess with your, sorry, believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's how you welcome the king. You open your arms and you say, come in. Not no, but yes. So if you want to say yes to that king this morning, maybe you've done it before, but you need to go back to the, the throne room and say, I'm sorry. Then as we get prayed for this morning, go and say, I want a king. If you've never accepted it, if you are one of those people who've been sitting on the fence all these years, just not sure, let me ask you, what have you got to lose? You've got everything to gain. This world will take from us. It will take, it will take, it will take. But we have a God who gives abundantly, who blesses extravagantly, and who gives life to the full eternally. So Father God, this morning, 
I pray for all of us in this room. I pray for those of us that are sitting on the fence, those who aren't sure. I pray, Lord, that you'll just make us get up and go. I pray, Lord, for those of us who've been Christians a long time, maybe we've stopped allowing you to be sovereign. Maybe we need to receive prayer to have that ultimate authority in our decision-making process. But Father God, we know you're a king who longed to bring peace on earth and goodwill to all men. So Father God, this morning, help us to recognize we need a king, but help us to say we want the king, the king of kings, your chosen king, the one who gave his life for all. In Jesus' name, amen.